We're passionate about this Jesus who gave us our breath back. We're passionate about this Jesus who, when we lost our breath, decided to give up his own, as we saw on Friday. As Jesus breathed his last on the cross, the Bible says that the Roman soldier that had just nailed him to that cross stood there looking at him and, and saw the way in which he breathed his last and said, surely this is the Son of God. Truly this must be the Son of God. And we believe that when you recognize that Jesus breathed out his last, not just for the sins of the world, not just uh, for people in general, but for you as an individual, he gave up his breath for you so that you can have life again, so that God's breath can be put back into your, into your spirit and we could be made alive. And, and he has made us alive to this relationship with God and to all the plans and the purposes and everything that God wants to do in your life. They've not been taken away. You've not been disqualified. You've, you've, um, you've not lost them, but they are yours. Every plan, every purpose, every good thing, even the ones that you have given up on, God hasn't give up, given up on them. He remains faithful, and, uh, and you can walk in all of those things. So our message simply this weekend has been that you are not the result of random chance. You're not just here by accident. Your life isn't just because of a, a random uh, set of events that took place or, or, or just because some, you know, some cells connected and formed a baby and, and you were born and here you are today and, 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 and there's no meaning really in all of it. That we believe that, that there is meaning and that there is purpose and we believe that all of our lives, every individual started as a dream in the heart of God. The Bible talks about this, and we looked at it on Friday, where God says that before you were even formed, I knew you. God had a dream. He had a vision. He had a passion in his heart, and that dream was you. And God created this entire universe and this earth on which we live and this garden in which we were, we were placed as, as, as a humankind. He did all of that to create the context in which we as people could live and have relationship with him. He created a world in which his dream could come to life and, and, and you are that dream and, and God has good intentions for you, good plans for each of us. And so God came together as, as the Trinity and, and they stood there and, and we saw this in Genesis last week as he says, let us make man in our image. Let us, God who is one and three, the Father, Son and Holy Spirit said, let us make God in our image. And and I believe this was a moment of celebration. I believe this was a moment of joy. I believe this was a moment of fulfillment as God was gonna see the dream that was in his heart come into fruition and, and, and come alive. And so he created mankind, male and female. He created us as spiritual beings in his image. And we looked at this last week in Genesis 2 verse 7. As we continue in this message, your life is God breathed. But we looked at this on Friday where it says, then the Lord formed the man of dust from the ground. He formed the man of dust from the ground. We know that we all have an earthly part. We know that we live in this world and there is frailty and, uh, and we sometimes struggle and we experience challenges and we experience sorrow because there is a part of us that is earthly. There is a part of us that is susceptible to the elements. There is a part of us that is just dust. And many people uh, only live according to that part, trying to, trying to do everything that they can to secure this dust. But at the end of the day, it's nothing. It's, it, it, it fades away. It's, it's, it's just a tent, the Bible says. Our bodies are just a tent. There's something greater in all of us than just this physical life, than just this temporal dwelling. It says, for the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground. But then it says this, 
and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living creature. Breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And that is the eternal part. That breath of life is the word in that phrase, in the, in the Hebrew, in, it's included the word ruach, which we see all over scripture in the New Testament. In the Greek, it's, it's the word pneuma. And it's this idea of spirit or wind or life or breath of God. And this is where God took, he had created an, a, a, an earthly temporal body, just like uh, 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 we have got plants and trees and animals and things that have biological life. But what God then did is he put a supernatural, eternal life emanating from himself in all of us. His spirit was breathed into us as people. And that is uncreated. It's eternal. And that's why there is a life after this temporary life. When that dust that you are made of and that I am made of returns to dust, what remains is our spirit. And that spirit lives forever. And that's why we have spiritual life. And God is spirit, we're created in his image and it means we can connect with him, we can know him and that's how God created us as people in order to have a relationship with him, to know him and to hear him and to walk with him and to, and to speak with him and to be filled with him and, and, and there's this God-shaped hole in all of us because it's only God's spirit that can fill us and, uh, and that comes from God himself because your life isn't random, it's not by chance, but it is God-breathed. Every single one of you in this place this morning, your life is God-breathed. It's intentional. It was in the heart of God before you were even formed. And so that is what God has, has given us. But we know the story. We know how, how people lost sight of where they came from and rather chose to serve themselves and sin entered the world. And from the first form of disobedience to God and, and, and disconnection from God, there resulted a separation from God. It doesn't matter where you go in the world, if you speak to people, it doesn't matter what religion they come from, and you say to them, is there a God? They say, yes, there's a God. The next question you can ask is, are we right with him? And everybody knows that they are not living the way that they should, and so everybody says we're not right with him. There's a, there's, there's a gap, when, and, and every human and earthly religion is about people trying to get back with God, trying to, to become good enough for God again. But what we recognize, where every religion is, is this attempt by people to get to God, the message of the gospel and what Jesus has done for us is the message that rather than us getting to God, God came down to us. He met us in our brokenness. He met us in our breathlessness, in our hopelessness. And so sin entered the world and we lost our breath. We lost our breath as people. We lost that vital connection to our creator. I don't know if you've ever lost your breath, if somebody's ever punched you uh, in the stomach or, or you've fallen really hard. Um, I remember playing a rugby game once and, and going in for a tackle and putting my head on the wrong side and being completely concussed and, um, and not remembering anything after that. I watched the rest of the game on a video uh, a couple of days later. But on the video, my, my, my dad came running onto the field. He was always right next to the field. And the one thing my dad just always shouted at everybody on the field is tackle. That's like, like thanks dad. We didn't know we were supposed to do that, but thanks for reminding us. Um, so whenever I was playing, all I heard was tackle, and so I did, and, and then got concussed. And then my, my, my dad came running onto the field, and apparently I told him in my concussed state that I was winded. I'd lost my breath, which may have been true, I don't know, because I don't remember. And the next thing my dad did was grab my legs in front of the entire school, two schools in fact, and started pumping them in front of everybody in order for me to get my breath back. 
So I don't know if you've ever experienced that where you've lost your breath and, 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 and maybe you've, you've tried to hold your breath under the swimming pool or you try to see how deep you could go down in a river or in a lake and all of a sudden you realize you don't have oxygen left. There is a, a sense of panic that, 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 that just fills your entire being as you realize I don't have what it takes to live any longer. I don't have what it takes. I've lost my breath and I need it back. I need this breath. There's a desperation that sets in when you recognize your need for somebody to save you or somebody to help you. And I told the story on Friday how I was playing with my little boy, Jude. Uh, he's four years old right now, and I'm always tickling him, and I'm always trying to bite him in the neck um, and hold him down. And, and so he was putting his legs up against me, trying to hold my body off of him so that I couldn't bite him in the neck. And I pushed a little bit hard at one point, and I don't know what I did, but I must have temporarily collapsed his lungs, which um, is about as severe as it sounds. And, and, and all of a sudden, his eyes just went large, and, and you could see he couldn't get air. And it was the scariest moment that I had ever experienced in my life because I didn't know how I was gonna get breath back into my boy or if he was gonna pass out or if he was gonna ever breathe again. And, and I turned him over and I was trying to do, just lifted him up, trying to get him, get breath into his lungs. And, and I can just imagine what was happening in the heart of God when we as a humanity lost our breath. When we sinned against him and we were separated and all of a sudden God sees the panic in our eyes and he recognizes that they need a savior. And so in that moment, God makes a plan. God makes a plan to rescue us from our breathlessness, from our separation, from our lack, from how we've been cut off. And just like I did with my boy Jude, the only thing that I could think of doing in that moment was to turn him over and to breathe my own breath into his lungs, hoping that his lungs will fill with air again. And ultimately, that's the message of the gospel. What Jesus did when we lost our breath is that he essentially did CPR and he essentially blew, blew his breath out so that we could have breath again, so that we could have life again, so that we can be filled with, with God's breath again. And, and that's how dearly God loves us, so much so that he sent his son to die for us, giving up his own breath so that we can become alive. And this was in the heart of God. He promised it for, for centuries that this is what he would do. We see it in Ezekiel 11, um, this amazing scripture that says in Ezekiel 11 verse 19, where God talks about what he will do in people and in people's hearts and in people's lives. And he says, I will give them one heart and a new spirit. That word spirit is once again, ruach. I'll give them, they've lost their spirit. They've lost their breath. I'll give them a new breath. I'll give them a new spirit. I'll give them a new heart, a new spirit I will put within them. I will remove the heart of stone. I love that imagery. A heart of stone cannot feel, it cannot perceive, it cannot beat, it cannot produce life. It's hardened. And for many of us, when we don't know Jesus, our hearts are hardened to even the message of the gospel. I remember hearing the story of, of Max Lucado who uh, wrote, and I read his, his books uh, many years ago. I read all of them and they were just so incredibly inspiring. And he tells a story about how um, he would go to church with his dad and his dad worked a lot with his, with his hands and, um, and he would sit in church with his dad and, and he would kind of get a little bit bored as a, as a young child sitting in the service. And, um, and so he would take a safety pin out of his mom's bag and his dad had all these calluses on his hands. And how he, would, he, would, he was fascinated by the fact that while the sermon is, con is going on, that he could push a safety pin right through the skin on his dad's hand, and his dad doesn't feel anything. His dad just sits there and continues listening to the service until one day he pushed that safety pin a little bit too deep, 
and it went beyond all that calloused skin and really just hit life somewhere in his dad's hands. And his dad screamed out in the middle of church, interrupting the sermon and the whole thing. And he said that that's what he did as a kid, but now he's a preacher and ultimately he's still doing the same thing. Except now he's not just pushing a pin through his, the calloused hand, uh, calloused skin on his dad's hands, but he's actually pushing the gospel through the calluses that sits on people's hearts, hoping that he could hit some life again, hoping that he can draw some blood again, hoping that he can produce some sense of feeling and some so sort of revelation and some sort of recognition. If you're sitting here with a calloused heart this morning and your heart is hardened to the message of what Jesus has done for you, perhaps you've heard just enough of Jesus to not want to hear about him anymore. You've been inoculated, but you've never experienced the full thing. My hope is that the gospel will penetrate that callous this morning and go right down into the center of your heart so that we can have what Ezekiel speaks about and what God promises that he will remove your heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. Give you a heart that feels, give you a heart that perceives, give you a heart that beats and that can produce life to your entire body. That's what God promised. I will take your old life away and I will give you a new heart, a new life, resurrected life, what we celebrate here on Resurrection Sunday. And so that word there is again the word ruach. What God would do through, for us through Jesus is put a new ruach, a new spirit, a new heart, a new life, a new breath within us, a heart that we may know him. And so today I wanna continue on that theme of, of life being, of your life being God-breathed because we know that Jesus didn't just die for our sins. Um, he died on the Friday, he was nailed to the cross, he, his body was taken down, he was laid in a tomb, but we know that three days later, on this Sunday, as the disciples arrived at the tomb, they found it empty. And they found an angel there that said, you're looking for Jesus, he is not here, he is risen. That is the assurance that we have this morning. We can have full assurance of our faith, full assurance that Jesus is alive and that we are made alive. Why? Because he was raised from the dead. Even though he tasted death for all of us, that was not the end of the story. That was not the end of the story. It doesn't matter what type of death you're tasting in your life right now, what type of, of fear that you're battling with, what kind of anxiety you're battling with, doesn't matter how, how helpless you might feel, especially in overcoming your imperfections and your weaknesses and your flaws, and perhaps you're addicted to certain things this morning, and it just feels like death. Here's the good news. It's not the end of the story. It's not the end of the story, because there is a Sunday. There is a resurrection. There is a moment that God raises us from that, and that serves as a guarantee. The fact that Jesus was raised is our guarantee that we will be raised also. That's why the Bible says that Jesus was the firstborn from among the dead. He was the first one to be raised from among the dead. The firstborn, you don't, if you have one child, you don't call it your firstborn, that would be weird, right? You don't walk around going, this is my firstborn, they're like, oh, where's the siblings? No, I only have this one. <laughs> that would be an onlyborn. But Jesus is called the firstborn among many brethren, among many people that would be raised from the dead. The first fruits, it says in 1 Corinthians 15, 20, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. He has been raised from the dead. The first fruits of those who have died. The first fruits, we will all be raised. We are all raised in spiritual life. Romans 8, 11 says, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life 
to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. The same spirit, the same power, the same God who raised Jesus from the dead is at work in your life today, raising you from the dead. That same breath is in your lungs. And isn't it incredible to know that the breath that is in Jesus' lungs, the resurrected uh, Jesus, the glorified Jesus, that very same breath is in our lungs today, dwells within your heart today. When this earthly body, when his earthly body was killed, that same spirit that raises us from the dead raised Jesus, and, and, and that spirit, again, is, is ruach. So we are made alive as the spirit of God regenerates and revives us as he blows his breath into us we become alive. And, and, and I just love this, and I want you to listen to this. This is not just a gasp of air. You know what's the problem with all kinds of self-help, with all kinds of attempts to, to fix your life, um, is that it is always, it, it can help, but it only always helps for a, a while. Like, like when you go to gym, and for example, you run on, and, and this, is, this happens to me more than what it should, but oftentimes I go to the gym. Have any of you ever done those battle ropes? Don't do them, okay? You're gonna die. So, so I did them the other day because I thought it looked cool, right? It looks like I'm in the army. I'm about to go out on a Navy vessel or something. I don't know what. But so I'm out there and I'm doing the thing. And then I sit down and I'm starting to see stars. I'm like, oh God, what have I done? What have I done? The thing is, is that when we have motivation, we have energy, we have breath. The problem is, is that as we live, we spend it. And then all of a sudden we have to sit down because we're spent because it doesn't sustain, because it doesn't continue, because it doesn't endure. So it doesn't matter how much you might motivate yourself right now to be a better person. The problem is tomorrow is gonna be Monday or it's a public holiday, so maybe you'll feel great. But after that, it's Tuesday and you'll wake up and you'll feel, where's my motivation? Well, I wanted to live for God and I wanted to change my life and I wanted to be a better, a better dad and a better husband and a better, you know, a better person and a, or a better mom or a, a better friend. I wanted to do all these things. I wanted to be better, but now I'm, I'm feeling tired and I, and I don't feel like I have what it takes. That's the problem with us trying to live according to our own strength is that our own strength will wane. And many people make a decision when they come to Jesus that they're gonna be better people and they take uh, a, a basically the law of God, and they say, I'm gonna live differently from now on. I'm gonna go read all of those laws, especially the 10 commandments, and what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna uphold them. I'm gonna uphold the law in my own strength. It's gonna be great. I'm gonna be awesome. I'm gonna, I'm gonna live differently from any way that I've, I've lived before, from all the people that have seen me uh, in my past, and so they take the law, and they say, I will uphold it. Just like right now in this building, gravity is at work. The law of gravity is at work. And so if I take this Bible and I, and I take my hand away, the law of gravity will always make this Bible fall down to the ground. Doesn't matter how many times I do this, um, gravity is here, and so it'll fall every single time. So what I can say is in my strength, I'm going to resist, I'm gonna uphold the law, and I'm gonna stand up against it and look at it, I can do it. I can do it, I can resist gravity, I can, I can, I can fulfill this law. Look at this, what I'm doing. And that's great, I can do it. The problem is, the law of gravity doesn't stop. It's relentless. That's why it's called a law, because it just is always. And so already, as I'm holding this Bible above my head, I can feel my arm beginning to get tired. And so the law is relentless, but my strength wanes. I lose it. 
And so every other attempt that I can make in order to try and uphold the law of God in my own strength is like this. I can do it for a little while, but eventually I get tired. And if I had to attempt to hold this up here for an hour or for two hours or for three hours or, or, or if, I, if I could really give it everything I got and, and have uh, guys come and, and give me protein shakes and energy drinks and electrolytes and everything right through the night, if I could make it like this until tomorrow morning, you'd probably have to take me to hospital after that. Because although I can uphold the law temporarily, I could never do it eternally. And that's why this message isn't a message of come here and, and do your best to try and be better. It's not just a gasp of air. It's not just a, another tank of oxygen that will eventually run out. It's not, the, what we get when we get the breath of God is not air that can run out. It's not air that we can spend by, by running or by, or by working or by doing or by being. This is an eternal spirit that we've received. Imagine a well on the inside of your spirit that is a bottomless fountain, an eternal fountain of virtue and of strength and of energy. It's why the Bible says that we will run and not get weary. We will walk and not become faint. We will not lose our breath. Why? Because it's not emanating from some human source. It comes from the eternal presence and spirit of God within us. That's what we have. And what it says here, and I love this, if we go back to, can we just put Romans 8.11 up there again? Um, just real quick. Look at what it says here in Romans 8.11. It says that the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. Everybody say dwells. He dwells in you. He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through the spirit, ruach, pneuma, that dwells in you. There's an eternal, uncreated, immortal spirit of God within each of us that dwells within us. And that word dwell in the Greek is the word okia, or, um, which is the verb coming from the, the, the word oikos. And if there were any uh, Greek-speaking people here today, you'd be quick to correct me and say it's actually ikos, which is how you apparently say it in Greek these days. Um, I say these days because it's apart from the, the ancient Greek. So, so ikos is this idea of a household, and it's a place of dwelling. It's a place where you reside, but it's not a place that you visit. If you go into what the meaning of that word ikos actually is, is it means to to, to make yourself, to make that space your, your residence, your, your dwelling, your, your, it's a place in which you make yourself comfortable. And so the idea here is, is that the Spirit of God, when it enters us, doesn't enter us for a little while. It doesn't enter us for a short period of time. It doesn't enter us for a season or on Sundays when we go to church or when we're being particularly good. It dwells within us. That breath of God, that power of God, that spirit of God, that ruach has taken up residence in your heart. And the Holy Spirit is not about to move out. And that's why sometimes it frustrates me when Christian says, God, I need a, a fresh spirit or a fresh outpouring of your spirit or a fresh anointing. Or a fresh... No, you just need to recognize the spirit that is within you eternally. God is good. His spirit is within us. His presence, there's this constant presence in our life. He's literally made himself at home within us. This new life, this presence of God is constantly present. So we are no longer pre, uh, uh, limited by our earthenness, if I can call it that. The Bible says that we are earthen vessels. 
We're, we're fallible people, we're flawed, we're imperfect, we're just earthen. But we hold within us a heavenly treasure. We have within us this in, incredible power, this incredible uh, unlimited, limitless power within us, which is the power of the Holy Spirit that takes us beyond our earthly frailty. And that is the same power that raises us to life and keeps us moving forward. This is the power that Jesus came to bring us. It's the power of his resurrection. It's his life and his spirit within us. And so in John 20 verse, verse 19, I wanna show you how powerful this is. Um, I, I mentioned the scripture earlier when we were doing the communion, but, but listen to this. In John 20 verse 19, it says, on the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where his disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them. You see how, how Jesus is not limited by, by earthly circumstance. You see how even if, if it seems like there's no way out of this situation or there's no way for me uh, to make my way into this, this opportunity or whatever it might be, Jesus is there. He goes beyond our earthly constructs and our human situations because he has this new life. He was raised by this Ruach, the Spirit of God. And so he stands amongst them and he says to them, peace be with you. That's what God's presence brings. It brings peace. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side, and then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so even so I am sending you. So now Jesus goes, there's one step further. You've experienced the, the resurrection, but I've got something more for you. I've got a plan. Everything that we looked at on Friday that God has ordained for your life. All the good works and all the good plans and all the good, good days that God has ordained for your life, he is going to empower you to be able to walk in. And this is how he does it. It says, and when he had said this, he breathed on them. We saw on Friday how Jesus breathed his last on the cross, but then he was raised from the spirit uh, by the spirit of God. And now he takes that same breath. And again, it's that word pneuma, which is the Hebrew word ruach. And Jesus breathes on his disciples. He literally illustrates it by, by breathing out physical breath on all of his disciples standing there. He breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit, the Ruach of God. Receive God's own spirit into your mortal flesh. Jesus comes to his believers, breathes on them. And he wants them to be aware. God wants us this morning to be aware of this person this indwelling spirit that we have, this relationship that we have with God. How many of you, when, when you pray, often feel like you're far away from God, and so you're praying down here, and I've heard so many Christians come to me saying, it just feels like my prayers don't reach God. It just feels like He is far away from me, and it doesn't matter how hard I try, that my, my prayers are hitting the ceiling. Anybody ever felt that way? Like there's just nothing happening? Here's the good news. Your prayers don't have to go beyond the ceiling. They don't have to make it to heaven because the Spirit of God dwells within you. As you think it, as you pray for it, as you believe for it, God's Spirit is right here causing it to come to pass according to God's will. All things according to God's will will be done in your life. And I love that. I love that I have an ally within me. Wherever I go, I can take courage because I know I'm not alone. Whatever you're facing in your life, you're not facing it alone. You're not facing it in your own strength. It's God's breath within you that is all powerful, that, that, that already does the work and encourages and strengthens and guides and leads and gives wisdom and, and empowers you to live the life that God has called you to live. You have it within you. I love when, when, when even when I'm feeling sick, sometimes um, if you've got a problem in some area of your body, 
You know what I often do when I pray for myself, if I've got an area of my body that, that's hurting or that's sick, is that I don't feel like I have to pray to God up, up there, far away, like he's some distant God. I actually say, Holy Spirit, you are within me. Can you just go to this area of my body and just bring healing? Just release the healing of God. Just allow me, help me to believe in what you have accomplished for me on the cross. God's spirit is within you. If you're feeling down, if you're feeling depressed, if you're feeling like there are things that you cannot overcome within you, you have a greater ally within you that is there to help. Jesus says that he will send another helper, capital H, the Holy Spirit, the breath of God who resides within you. You have an ally within you, within your own spirit that gives you life and that gives you the ability to go beyond what your flesh could ever do. And it's this relationship that we have. It's like carrying your best friend with you wherever you go as we, we are constantly able to commune with God, this inner witness and teacher and guide. So we are filled with the life-giving power of God's spirit. And this means a few different things for us. This means that certain things are now possible for us that have never been possible before. And in the few minutes that we have left, I just wanna mention three of them. Three things that you can now do because your life is God-breathed, because God has put his spirit and his power within you, because you are the residence of the Holy Spirit. Three things that you could do that, or, or that, that, you can have, um, that you couldn't have before. What does this mean for our lives, being filled with the spirit of God? Number one, it means that we can know God. It means that you can know him. He's no longer distant. He's no longer far away. He's no longer unknowable. We no longer have to guess about who God is and what he has done for us. We can know and we can, and we can experience him because of his spirit. We can perceive God. We've been made alive again in the spiritual so that we can, can communicate with God. And when we say we can know God, we, you know, people often say that they, that they you know, know people. When you say, I know Tiger Woods or, or I know uh, Keanu Reeves or I know somebody famous. But how many of you know that if I went up to Tiger Woods and tried to high five him in the street, I would be beaten up by his bodyguards? Because even though I might know him or I might know some famous person or I might, I might know some, some singer or some, some actor or whatever, some sports personality, I might know them. What I really mean is I know about them. I know of them, but I don't know them. Not in that genuine, authentic kind of way where I know their character and I, I know who they are and I know what they're, what they're like and, I, and I've seen them in different situations and I've gotten to trust them or to believe in the characteristics or the values or the virtue that they hold. So when we talk about you can know God, we're talking beyond the way that you know about him now where you just go, well, I know that there is a God. A lot of people, well, I believe that there is a God. The moment people tell me that, I know that they don't know him. Because knowing that there is a God is not the same as knowing God. There's another kind of knowing. And what happens when we have the spirit of God within, him, within us is that we can know him in the deepest and truest and most intimate sense. As Paul says, my distinct purpose in life is to become more intimately acquainted with the wonders of his person. Why? Because we are alive spiritually. You're no longer dead. You no longer have that heart of stone. You can experience God. You can experience his love. Guess what? You can hear his voice because you're alive. 
because his spirit, deep cries out unto deep, can reveal things to your spirit. Even if you don't hear it with your physical ears, God can lead you. He can speak to you. He can guide you. You can perceive him. You can know his love, not because somebody else told you about it, but you can stand in worship on a Sunday morning and experience his love. You can feel his power. You, people, somebody doesn't have to come to you and tell you that God is powerful or God is good or God loves you because you can stand in worship and because you are spiritually alive, you can experience his love. You can experience his power. You can know his goodness because you're alive. Spiritually, you've been made alive to God again. We have this fellowship with him again, this kind of relationship with God where you can do what Adam did in the garden before he disobeyed, where he walked with God in the cool of the afternoon. That's what a relationship with God looks like. It looks like a walk. It looks like a journey. It looks like you being able to hear from your father, be encouraged by him, and learn about him. It means you can experience everything that he has for you and grow in your, his, your understanding of him, and you can perceive his will. People say, I don't know what God wants me to do. I just don't feel like I can hear his voice. The truth is you can. You can. He's speaking to our hearts all of the time because we've been made alive. And this is not just head knowledge. This is not just I have a, a, a theory about God or I, I've studied some, some evidence about God. And yes, theoretically and philosophically, I believe he's alive. Like many Christians all over the world do. They have this, this, this idea, this, this head knowledge about the fact that Jesus is alive. Now, we need the head knowledge as well. We serve God with our hearts and all of our minds and everything that we are in totality, but this goes beyond head knowledge and it goes to a deep spiritual truth where the Bible says that the eyes of our heart are enlightened. Isn't that an incredible thought? That you have a heart, which is what the Bible often uses for spirit. You have a spirit within you, a ruah, which has eyes separate from your physical eye. The ability to perceive, the ability to see things that aren't in the physical so that you can have the spiritual reality in your life. Listen to 1 Corinthians 2 as it speaks about how we can know God and how the Spirit of God will reveal, him, will reveal God to us. It says, but as it is written, what no eye, that's the physical eye, has seen, nor ear has heard, nor heart of man imagined, the heart of man, not the heart of God, what God has prepared for those who love him. God has better things prepared for us than what we could have ever imagined in our, own, in our own minds. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. Through God's Spirit, he reveals things to you. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. Listen to this. For who knows a, man's, a person's thoughts except the Spirit of that person? Who knows what's happening in your own heart and in your own mind, even this morning, better than you? you? Who knows you better than you know you, right? You know that you know you better than anybody else knows you. In the same way, who knows a man or who knows a person and their thoughts except the spirit of that person which is in him, so also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. Now we have received, not a spirit of the world, not an earthly spirit, not a, not a dust spirit, not an Adam spirit, Adam off from the ground, but the spirit who is from God, the Ruach. That's what we've received. That we might understand the things freely given us by God. 
You see, this morning, if you understand what God has done for you on the cross, if you understand your righteousness, if you understand your identity, if you understand your new life, it's not because you've done some earthly study, it's because God has revealed it to your heart through His Spirit. It's a direct link between your spirit and God's spirit that reveals who God is to you. And that's why we can know Him in a deeper place and at a deeper level than any other kind of knowing. I've heard somebody say that we can know God in our knower. You have a knower on the inside of you. We don't know what, it, it's just in there, it's in your spirit. You can know him in your knower. Right deep down, you can know who God is. Every single one of us. So you can understand the deep things of God that he has freely given us, your righteousness, your identity. Number one, it means we can know him. Number two, it means that we can be changed. This is great news for all of us. We can be changed. Because many of us have tried to change ourselves. How many of you have tried to change yourself? You've been frustrated by some area of your life, something that you always do that you hate that you do, and you have been determined to change that habit and to change the way you think and to change the way that you do things. And, and it's like there's this part of me that I want gone. If I could, I would just cut it out and throw it away. And what happens is, is that we do our best to overcome those areas in our life. If, you have, if you've got a short temper, you'll over, do your best to overcome that temper. If, you've, if you're impatient, you'll do your best to overcome that. Or if you're selfish, you'll do your best to overcome that. Or if you've got some insecurity, you'll do your best to overcome that. And you will convince yourself that you've done it. Yes, I'm better. I'm better. It's great. I'm doing much better. Until a situation presents itself where you haven't eaten in about three hours and you had one hour less sleep than normal on that evening before, and the perfect set of circumstances arranges itself in your life, and all of that de self-deception gets wrecked in a moment. Because that same person that you were trying to get rid of, that same part of you, just makes a comeback. <laughs> I'm back. You thought I was gone, I'm back. Let's do this, people. And that same selfishness, that same insecurity, that same impatience, all of a sudden, it's right back there. It just takes the right set of circumstances. And so some people, I've spoken to people, especially those that have tried very long to be good, that tell me, my time, when I was a young person, I tried to change, but I'm now at a place in my life that I just realize I cannot change. I've, I've had people say that to me, I'm beyond my changing years. Now I'm in a place where I just am who I am and you gotta deal with it. So if I'm impatient, you just got to deal with it. And if I'm selfish, you just got to just who I am. And people give up on the idea that they can change. But the Bible tells us that if the Ruach of God lives in you, that even when you cannot change yourself, God is always busy changing you. God is always busy bringing transformation to your life, not by self-effort, but by self-surrender. Not by you trying harder, but by you giving up and believing in the Holy Spirit and His job in your life. His job is to transform us. As we put our faith in Jesus and believe in what he has done for us, we will be transformed. This is the scripture, 2 Corinthians 3, 18. It says, and we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, as we look at Jesus, not at the law, not at self-sacrifice, but, but we look at Jesus and what he has done as we behold him, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. Listen to this. For this comes from the Lord who is Ruach, the breath of God in your life. The fact that your life is God-breathed, the fact that you house the Spirit within you means that you will be changed. 
from one degree of glory to another. As you put your faith in Jesus, you can believe and you can know that every morning when you wake up, you're a little bit more like Jesus than you were the day before. Not because you've tried very hard, but because you've simply put your faith in him. So God transforms us. For me, that's great news. I love the fact that even though I'm struggling with some things today, I'm gonna struggle less with it tomorrow. And it's kind of like picking up weight. Any of you, any, okay, you don't have to put up your hand. But you know what the thing about picking up weight is you don't realize it's happening when it's happening. You, you even get confused when you try and put on the pants that you used to put on and you're like, I don't understand what's happening. They've definitely shrunk. They've shrunk. That's what we all say, right? Uh, somebody put them in the tumble dryer, they've shrunk. That's why they're not fitting. But the truth is, that that's not the reason. The reason is because you've gained weight. You just didn't realize it because it was happening over time. And it's only when you look at photos from, from months or years earlier that you go, wow, okay, that happened. <laughs> right? It's kind of the same with the Holy Spirit. We don't realize that we're changing. But if you think back to a couple years ago, how you used to be, how you used to think, how you used to react, you realize I am being changed by the Holy Spirit. That's because God's Spirit is within you. So you're being transformed and you experience, you have the fruit of the Spirit within you and I'm so grateful for that. I'm so grateful that even self-control, many people say self-control means that you need to have control because it's control of self. But the Bible says that self-control is a fruit of the Spirit. It's what happens when the Spirit is within you. So you're not able to control yourself because you are better or because you have control, but because God's Spirit enables you to have control. 2 Timothy 3.16, again, it says all Scripture is breathed out by God. All scripture is God-breathed. The same word, pneuma, ruach. All of scripture is ruach. What we have when we pick up our Bibles and we read the, the, the word is not just information. It's not just directions. I, I, I hate it when people tell me, this is my manual for life. It's not just a manual for life. You know that when you buy a new fridge or whatever, you never even read the manual anyways. What would the purpose of that be? as if we've got to read this book and try and do it in our own strength. It's not what it is. This is the breath of God. It's that same spirit. It's that same word. It's this, it's, we encounter his living power and his living spirit. We encounter Jesus himself through the word. And what happens is, is that it produces change in our life. It is profitable. It is useful for teaching and reproof and correction and for training in righteousness. We grow by it that the man of God may be complete, equipped, for every good work. So as we receive the breath of God, we are equipped and we are made complete and we grow and we change. And so we take in this breath as often as we can and we know that because God's spirit, because your life is God breathed, you can change. You can go beyond the earthly portion, the dust portion, and you can be changed. Finally this morning, it means number three, that we are empowered. The Holy Spirit is spoken of as power, immense power, explosive power within us. Now, I wanna preface this by saying that it is, in my mind, not healthy to only think about the Holy Spirit as power. A lot of people only think about the Holy Spirit as it's power for me, which it is, but we gotta remember that it's a person. Because if you think about the Holy Spirit purely as power, all that you will do is try to gain more of the power. But if you think about the Holy Spirit as a person, what you recognize is that receiving that power actually comes through a relationship. 
It actually comes from communion and fellowship with God. That's what produces the power, not just some external thing that we try to draw on. Does that make sense this morning? The Holy Spirit is a person that empowers us. Ephesians 1 verse 18 says, having the eyes of your heart enlightened, your spirit enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. What is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe? According to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from from the dead. We see that again and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places. Paul prays for the church in Ephesus and and he says, I pray that you would come to know the power of God that is at work within you. The breath of God that is. That same power that raised Jesus from the dead works in your life today. The immeasurable greatness of this power. You see, we think many things are impossible for us. Many things are impossible in our lives. But when you understand the immeasurable greatness of the power of God that is at work within you, you recognize that with God, nothing is impossible. He can do all things. He can do all things within us. He can change us. He can deliver us. He can move us forward. He can, he can change our circumstances. He can lead us through them. All things are possible through the, to those who believe. Sometimes you hear about Christians talking about an anointing, that they are anointed or they have an anointing, and all that that really means, it's a symbol that comes out of the Old Testament where people would pour oil over somebody being anointed, a priest or a king or somebody that was going to fulfill a certain role, and it was a symbol that the Holy Spirit was poured out on them, that olive oil that anointed them, saying that they have been ordained to fulfill this role, and empowered by God's Spirit, which is what the oil represented in order to fulfill this role. But the Bible says that we have been anointed by God. We have this, this ability, this enabling, this ordination in order to do more than what we could do in our own strength. Don't limit God because of your own limitations. Trust that God's spirit is upon your life and in your life. Jesus said in Luke 4 verse 18, when he spoke about uh, his own life, he quoted from uh, the book of Isaiah 61, and he says, the spirit of the Lord, the ruach of the Lord in Isaiah is upon me because he has anointed me, empowered me, strengthened me, given me the ability, the, the unction, that word spirit, the spirit of the Lord is again the ruach, the breath of God. He has anointed, and as God anointed Jesus, he anoints us, 2 Corinthians 1, 21 says, and it is God who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us, has poured out his spirit, has given us his power, and also put his seal on us and given us his spirit, his ruach, as our guarantee. Isn't that incredible? We have the life and the power of God within us, and so we are encouraged this morning, and the Bible encourages us, That when you are facing a difficult situation, don't even worry about your own strength. Don't even worry. So many people go, I don't know. Have you ever said this? I don't know if I have what it takes to fulfill what God is calling me to do. I don't know if I can do that. I've tried for many years. I don't know if I can can say what I need to say, if I can do what I need to do, if I can be what I need to be. Here's the good news. You are encouraged this morning that you don't need to be the one to fulfill those things. You only need to recognize that his spirit, his ability, his anointing, his unction, his ability dwells within you. When we stepped out to start a church three years ago, I knew I didn't have what it, ta- what it takes to plant a church. 
I knew I would never have what it takes to plant or lead a church in any capacity, but I also knew that God's spirit was with me, enabling me to do things I never thought possible. What is it that you have disqualified yourself from in your own life that you thought, I can't do this? My message to you this morning is your life is God-breathed. If God has ordained you for it, he has empowered you for it, he equips you for it, and he will lead you into it, and you will accomplish every single thing that God has for your life. Amen? Amen. Come on, let's give Jesus a shout of praise. Your life is supernatural. And to end off this morning, I wanted to show you, I have this glove, and I wanted to tell you that if I took this glove, and I said, I want this glove, uh, it's, it happens to be a golf glove, I want this glove to go and play 18 rounds, and I want to come in at two under par, go glove, right? Go do it, glove. Imagine me standing on the tee box, uh, ready to, to tee off, and I'll go, okay, glove, you do the work. I'm just going to stand back and watch. It wouldn't have the ability, right? The glove does not have the ability or the power in itself and in and of itself to shoot an under par round, neither do I, but by the Spirit, <laughs> by the Spirit, all things are possible. But here's the idea. If this is your body, the earthly part of you that was formed, my hand in this glove is like God's Spirit within you, and all of a sudden it is alive, it is empowered, and it is, it is able to fulfill its purpose. It's not the glove doing the work. It's my hand doing the work within the glove. It's not your life doing the work. It's God's spirit within you that fills you, that leads you and enables you and empowers you. And so having the breath of God means that you can do what God has called you to do. It means that you are empowered by his spirit. And I believe that as a church, God's hand is in our glove. As individuals and as a church and as a community, it's his hand at work. You might see people here, physical people. You might be served coffee by people in the cafe. You might have been greeted by a person, but it's not just the people that are greeting you. It is the spirit of Christ within us that greets you. And so we are gonna be able in this city to do things. And I prayed this prayer last night. I was driving along and I said, God, just cause us to become the kind of church that can shape a city. Does it sound impossible? It absolutely is for a bunch of flawed people like us. But when it's his hand in our glove and we're just the vessels through which he does his will, then all things are possible. And that's true for us as a church and it's true for your life because your life is God-breathed. Amen? Amen. Let's go ahead and pray together.